0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Wavebreak Podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host Dylan Kelly and every Monday I interview the people and the experts behind the top Shopify stores to figure out what they're doing to take their stores to the next level and how you can do the same. Today on the show, I have Nick DeSabado, who's the founder of Draft and he's sharing how you can generate more revenue and profit without spending more money on ads. Stick around to learn more. This episode is brought to you by my consultancy, Wavebreak. We help Shopify stores maximize their email marketing revenue. Is your email marketing stuck? Do you feel like you could be doing it better? I put together a free checklist that lays out exactly what you need to do to take your email marketing to the next level. You can get your free checklist at emailrevenuechecklist.com. That's emailrevenuechecklist.com. Thanks for coming on the show, Nick.
1: Happy to be here.
0: So I wanted to bring you on the show to talk about how to make more money from your existing traffic by improving your conversion rate. Do you want to introduce yourself so that you know you can explain why you're such a great person to talk to about this?
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, I uh, run Call Drafted Interaction Design Consultancy, but the uh, definition of that has changed quite a bit over the five years we've been in business. Uh, right now, it's Basically, research-driven A-B testing and conversion rate optimization for e-commerce businesses, and that involves listening to your customers, understanding what it is they do, what motivates them, what interests them, and then creating a design very slowly to uh, actually meet their needs, and that hopefully increases your conversion rate without increasing your ad spend, making you resort to um, tricks that uh, harm your bottom line revenue, ultimately. The goal is to give you more profit, so...
0: Love it. So I guess just if we just dive right into it, like what would be like your definition of conversion rate optimization and and why is it important?
1: Conversion rate optimization is the act of fixing all of the things that are leaking revenue in your funnel. Um, And that funnel being basically everything from your email campaign all the way through to your thank you page and even possibly upsells after the fact. It is important because if you don't have an optimized store, you're not making enough money from it. and You're not putting it hard enough to work. Um, you got to view your website as if it were an employee of the company. That's a fairly important one if it's the majority of your revenue or the entirety of your revenue. And so um, you want to make sure how to leverage that employee as efficiently and effectively as humanly possible. And I help you do that. I institute a lot of best practices and design research to figure out how to break those rules and Uh, We create a website that better meets your business and your customers' needs.
0: Sweet. So, like, you you use the word leaky revenue. Like, what's an example of a part of an e-commerce store that might have leaky revenue?
1: Here's an easy one. Uh, Your uh, checkout page has a usability error on it on mobile devices. Okay, well, most of your customers come in via mobile devices, and they run into this usability issue, and they're unable to complete checkout. That's leaking revenue. They want to give you money, and then they're wallet out at the time, and they they try, they fail, and they don't come back. That's it. You get basically one shot with most people, um, especially if they're on a mobile device and they have like 25 tabs open, and they're on the subway, and they have better things to worry about in their lives. Um, you want to make sure you can close the sale when you have the opportunity to. It's typical salesmanship. It's even in IRL stores, you would have people, okay, well, I'm going to leave and come back. Well, if they leave and come back, they're probably not actually going to buy. It's, they buy the moment that they're there. And you have to think about it in the same way with your own website.
0: Yeah, totally. Especially like nowadays, you have so little time to capture people's attention. Uh, it's, it's really important. So like, how do I know when a part of my business is, is leaking revenue? Like, What's a red flag I should look for?
1: I look at, um, usually I'll go into Google Analytics and develop a bunch of segments for your customers that are common places that uh, might be issues. One of them is mobile, uh, as I just mentioned. One of them could be various ad campaigns that are underperforming or well-performing. So I try and segment out based on incoming traffic there. It could be based on individual products they're trying to purchase. If you have a flagship product and a a second separate set of accessories for that product, um, you might have a situation where people are in a different mindset if they're buying the accessories versus the flagship products. You want to segment that out repeat customers they have a different mindset when they're coming into your store people receiving different email campaigns and you segment those things out you figure out individual devices individual browsers that sort of thing and you try and weigh their conversion rates you know probably off the top of your head what your store's average conversion rate is so that's easy if you see that mobile traffic is 85 percent of your traffic and this is not an I've seen this happen with clients of mine. I'm not pulling these numbers out of my butt. Um, You have 85% mobile traffic, and it's converting a third worse. That is, I will call an opportunity (laughs) to improve your mobile conversion rate, because it should be materially similar across platforms if your site is doing its job. Um, That's the number one thing that I look at. And then if I see, okay, well there's a major discrepancy in conversion rate, how's the answer there? You go and you do some more research, figure out what people's behavior is when they're coming in on a given page, Uh, run heat maps on it, run behavior recordings on it, even run surveys on people and try and ask them uh, what they felt about their transaction today and if there's anything you could do to try and improve it. And then um, because you understand that there is a problem at the very beginning and you understand that there is a problem with this particular segment, but then you need to go in and dive in. What is the problem and how do we try and fix it? Because that's essentially what you're doing when you're sleuthing out these sorts of problems. And then I do that basically into perpetuity for people's stores.
0: Like, what are you looking for in terms of like what's a good conversion rate or like how much of a, a lacking conversion rate? Like, wh- what kind of like metrics do you look for to, to see what you can improve?
1: Yeah. So, a good conversion rate, people ask me this question pretty often is like, what's a great conversion rate? And I'm like, 100%? I don't know. Like, because it depends on the, the type of store you're talking about, right? So I, I've worked with stores that sell $20 everyday carry products. I've worked with stores that sell you know $50 makeup to older women. I've worked with stores that sell $1,000 speakers. And I hope you can assume in this situation that it's reasonable that all three of those stores would have significantly different conversion rates, right? especially the $1,000 speaker situation, you're mostly uh, like the blend lifestyle accessory that not everybody is going to be able to afford. And so you want people to be ooing and eyeing at the product and probably a lot of your press is gonna be, oh my God, this speaker costs $1,000, that's a lot of money. Um, and your conversion rate is naturally going to be lower. So what I usually say is a good conversion rate is a better conversion rate than you had last month. And you should always assume that an unoptimized site has opportunity to improve the conversion rate. Um, To answer the beginning half of your question, which I think is more interesting about methodology, it's how I find these problems in conversion rate. is if there are any major discrepancies. There are always major discrepancies that happen in analytics, in store behavior, um, in specific segments of customers that are going to be coming in. And that's the first place I look because it's the place that has the lowest hanging fruit. Once you fix that, then it gets more interesting because you have effectively, hopefully, similar conversion rates across devices, across platforms, mobile versus desktop, um, specific behavior groups. And then you can dive in and say, okay, well, how do we get repeat customers to come back? How do we work with lifecycle emails? How do we encourage more reviews? How do we encourage more social proof and more word of mouth? Um, That's usually the next thing that I do in this situation after I uh, fix a lot of the, I mean, frankly, most of the problems are on mobile at this point. Uh, Someday that might not be the case, but any major discrepancies in conversion rate across platforms that happen to be an outsized amount of traffic like you wouldn't optimize mobile if it were only five percent of your traffic but that's almost never the case in e-commerce so
0: so okay so first you go and and you're looking more sort of like the low-hanging fruit and then you take care of that and then that's after that is when you get into the more like nitty-gritty of like digging into the actual like more of the percentages like closely and like trying to beat them there
1: yeah, that, I think that's fair, right? Like you're going to see some glaring things because people don't bother looking at their analytics or so they don't know how to segment, which is one of the core things that you have to do in analytics. Um, so they hire me and I come in and do that for them. And then once we fix all of the things that are very obvious, uh, then you kind of look around and you're like, well, what now? And that's when it gets more interesting and bespoke for the, the individual client that I'm typically working with.
0: Ah, Cool. Going back a little bit, you touched on like different businesses that sell like different price products. Um, how does business size play a role into this? So like at what point should I stop worrying about getting more traffic and start focusing on increasing my conversion rate?
1: Um, so the if you want to run A-B tests, you should be getting at least 500 to 1,000 revenue generating transactions per month. And that's not uh, that's not for subscription, I mean new customers, like actual people mashing the buy now button and converting in a way that provides a positive revenue activity for your business. Uh, that's the good like beginning point. However, you, A-B testing is different from optimization you can compress your images regardless of how big your business is. You can fix glaring usability issues with your checkout or talk to your customers regardless of how big your business is. And I would recommend that anybody of any size try and put into practice some of the research activities and, um, optimization activities that I can recommend for sites that are, you know, independent of traffic or conversion rate. Um, that being said i you know with e-commerce the nice thing i worked for both e-commerce and saas for a long period of time the nice thing with e-commerce is you can get to that sort of transaction volume per month pretty quickly like it's not that difficult the challenge is earmarking cro as part of your budget and changing your mindset such that you're willing to embrace a more like rational, deliberate, intentional, statistics-based methodology for your design process. And that doesn't appeal to everybody in e-commerce. It definitely does in uh, SaaS businesses. Software
0: people love A-B testing. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, it's a little bit different in e-commerce.
0: Cool. And you said that there are some things that any store can do to improve their store. Like, what are some of those things, like the research that you talked about or that you kind of touched on?
1: Well, analytics is one of them. So, if you are, and going through and fixing the usability of your checkout flow is another one of them. So, if you want to do usability tests, you can go to a site called usertesting.com, and they basically recruit participants to try and find and buy products from your store. And they vocalize their internal monologue while they're doing it. So, that b- surfaces problems with browsing, adding to cart, um, issues across multiple devices. Uh, issues with your checkout flow, issues with um, maybe shipping address validation in other countries around the world, that sort of thing. Those are all really, really valuable. Uh, Checking your analytics, really, really valuable. Running heat maps, going to a site like hotjar.com and getting a heat map tool installed and understanding where people are clicking and where people are scrolling and where people aren't clicking or scrolling helps you a lot for understanding how to Change the layout and behavior of especially your marketing pages and your product pages so that people are more likely to resonate with your messaging. Um, Sending post-purchase surveys, single questions asking, how did you feel about your purchase today? Putting it on the thank you page and the receipt email from your website. um, Giving people an incentive to fill that out, like a 5% discount code later. Uh, Getting those sorts of insights in allow you to open the channels of communication with your customers, which I don't know anyone that listens to their customers and ignores them. (laughs) You're going to listen to your customers and you're going to end up taking action on it. And you're going to hopefully generate revenue for your business because you're making a store that people are more likely to buy from. And that is regardless of your business's size or conversion rate. And those are all things, everything I mentioned, you can do in under five hundred dollars. UserTesting.com is four hundred of those five hundred dollars.
0: Wow! Yeah. So when I'm when I'm checking my analytics, you said check check your analytics. You said that a few times. So when I'm checking my analytics, what am I looking for? Because I know a lot of the people I know that run e-commerce businesses, they're sort of overwhelmed. Like I, I was talking to one lady, and she was like, I have all this data, but I don't know what to do with it. Like, where, where do I even start?
1: So I've answered this question in about 8,000 words of blog posts in the past, and to keep it as short as humanly possible, I would say look at mobile and Google Analytics has a default segment for that, and try and understand whether or not the conversion rate is lower. Take a look at your traffic sources, uh, determine like what proportions you're getting off of Facebook versus organic, and whether you're comfortable with those sources. Um, Take a look at bounce rates and refer sources to see if people are showrooming your project on Amazon. Make sure you have e-commerce conversion tracking set up. A lot of stores I have worked with eight-figure stores that did not bother flipping the switch for e-commerce conversion tracking in Google Analytics. It's not on by default, and you have to change the snippet you're posting to all of your pages, So um, that's usually the thing I do within half an hour of starting to work with your store is I check to make sure that's happened. And the the truly unfortunate thing about this is they're not gathering that data until you flip the switch. So you don't have any historical data, which really sucks. Um, But that's something that you should be putting together and is pretty critical and load-bearing. It shows what products are being purchased and uh, how much money you're
0: making (laughs) Things
1: that are fairly important. Um, those are the, the first few places. I, again, I can go on and on and on and dive into really crazy things about your funnels and goal configurations and stuff like that. Configure goals on Google Analytics if you haven't yet, make sure you have one for your thank you page and one and that it maps to your cart and checkout pages. But, um, and conversion Excel has resources for that. I have resources for that. but uh, that's where
0: I would start. Right, yeah, definitely flip that switch now after listening to this podcast um all right so let's say I have the the flip switched or the um the switch flipped rather and I'm sort of I have all the low-hanging fruit taken care of like where where do I go next in terms of improving my conversion rate like do I change the color of buttons now or like where do I go from here
1: So I've run about 450 A-B tests in my career, and um, would you like to guess how many button color tests I've I've had that have won? I want
0: to say zero. Actually, one. One.
1: (laughs) One button color test won, but it was because it was a smarter button color test. It was a refer link. And instead of it being a red button everywhere, it was the color of the store. So if it referred you to Amazon, it would be orange. If it referred you to Walmart, it would be blue. If it referred you to Apple, it would be that warm gray they use. Um, and uh, that that turned out to be a very smart button color test. You can, you can steal that. Don't test your button colors. Oh, my God. Um, the... The number one thing that I recommend for people when they are coming up with new test ideas is that all test ideas should be backed with some sort of research. Um, Testing to settle debates is not a good idea. Testing to appease the CEO's hunches about something is not a good idea. You have a really powerful tool in front of you when you have an A-B testing framework, and it's very easy to think that it's a cool toy. And then to mislead yourself about the findings or come up with inconclusive results that uh, we're not likely to work in the first place because you didn't make a significant enough test. Um, the key thing with A/B testing is to make sure that there is some sort of evidence actually backing up why you're going to be testing this thing. And if it turns out a button color is the thing, do it, right. But in practice, it's more things like the pitch, the wording, the branding, the layout, the behavior, ungarbaging your page so it's clear and faster to load. Um, fixing a lot of usability issues on mobile especially. Um, Those are the sorts of things that I end up testing most frequently. And then the next question is, okay, well, what reliably tests well? And the answer is, I have no idea. For your store, it's going to be different than for every other store I've worked for because everybody has their own unique needs and their own unique set of customers. And the answer is to research it. And if you don't want to put in the time and attention to conduct design research properly to understand what ultimately A-B testing is, which is measuring the economic impact of a specific design decision, um, then you can go and test button colors and headlines and waste your time, I guess. I don't know. I I don't
0: know what I would do in that
1: situation. (laughs) Um, But I have a design background, so that probably makes sense there.
0: So the takeaway there is don't test something small like a button. Test the big things.
1: Test the big things.
0: Yeah. The more ambitious the test, the more likely it
1: is to work well because you're changing a lot of things. But also you have to listen. That's the number one thing is you have to listen to your customers.
0: How, how do I listen? Like, What do I ask my customers to, to get enough research to do a good, successful A-B test?
1: Well, there are a lot of ways to survey customers in ways that like confirm your own biases, which is not good. But uh, there are several different design research activities that I do. One of them is usability tests, heat maps, uh, analytics. I actually do interviews sometimes where I will recruit customers through a survey and then I will get them on the phone and ask non-leading questions. How to run a good user interview is another three-and-a-half-hour-long conversation that I don't think we'd be able to do on this podcast, but it is essentially you are asking, um, how did you feel about purchasing this product? What competitors did you consider? Are you still using the product? What are you using it for? Are you enjoying it? Um, Have you recommended it to any friends? Um, What was the last thing holding you back from purchasing? And you have to keep in mind, all of these things are you, 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 you. They're all asking about how the product fits into the customer's life. It is so easy to write an interview that goes, me, 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 me. How did you enjoy our website? How did you enjoy our purchasing process? Um, Did you respond well to our logo? Those are leading questions because they draw the customer's attention to the logo when, in fact, they were not necessarily thinking about your logo when they were going and buying the thing. They were thinking about how the thing fits into their lives instead. So you need to figure out a way to tease out their story and turn the focus onto them because that will give you more insight into how to create something that meets their needs. Um That applies to not only interviews, but also surveys, both post-purchase surveys, and if you're gonna run like annual or semi-annual surveys of your customer base. um, There are a lot of really good resources for how to run good interviews from Erica Hall, from Stephen Portigal, other UX researchers, Alan Cooper. um, And they all talk about how to craft a good question that turns the focus onto the customer.
0: So customer research doesn't always mean actually talking to customers. It could be as simple as just like really digging into your analytics or looking at a heat map.
1: Yeah. So I separate research into kind of two fields and there's quantitative and quantitative uh, research, quantitative and qualitative research. Sorry. Uh, Quantitative is the heat map analytics number side of things. Qualitative is tell me your story. Talk to me about your feelings with this transaction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you need a 50-50 blend of this research in order to reliably create revenue generating design decisions that you can run in A-B tests. Um, It is very, the problem with that is that people are either one or the other mindset. They're either a big numbers person or they're a big feelings person. And so whenever I say you need a required 50-50 blend, people will cringe about one or the other half of it um and that sucks because then you're gonna end up doing it wrong so either get another person to do the other half of the research for you or buck up and figure out how to actually do the other half of the research um i did it so
0: (laughs) and you mentioned for the uh the heat maps hot jar is a good tool for that yes for the interviews um
1: Usability testing is good for usertesting.com. Interviews, uh, Ethneo is the tool I use for running screener interviews. And then beyond that, it's either Skype or FaceTime, and then I use Audio Hijack Pro to record the calls, and then I'm typing in the background and writing up notes and stuff like that. Um, What else? Uh, For tools, A-B testing, I use VWO. Uh, You go to VWO.com, that stands for Visual Website Optimizer. They're the Biggest and best AB testing framework right now. Oh, other research tools, um, I use uh, Wufoo or Typeform for actual like one-off surveys and post-purchase surveys. You can use Google Forms, which is free but ugly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a. I think that's about it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a nice stack to use. So I guess kind of to summarize, like the the big thing is not necessarily like getting into the nitty gritty of like, uh, let's AB test this button color or this button text, but more like look at the bigger things and then don't just guess, like use research and analytics to, to back up what you're actually testing. And before you even do that, like, don't try to go too far into things. Like look at the big picture and see like what's glaringly wrong.
1: Yeah yeah, you want to you want to fix the stuff that's glaringly wrong because you probably haven't even been looking at that, right? And then once you fix that, you know there's stuff that's not glaringly wrong that might be a little bit hidden. And as you increase your conversion rate, the fortunate thing is you end up with more traffic that is actually buying. so you can get to statistically significant test results a lot faster. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically it. you keep doing that in profit.
0: Wrapping up, do you have like any last piece of advice or I guess words of wisdom for people who are at a point where they're ready to run an A-B test or they have something that's like super wrong in their business? Like what, like if I take anything away, what should I take away?
1: Um, listen to your customers and fix your store for mobile. Those are the two things. And you might be, you know, collecting testimonials. That's not really the same as listening to your customers. It's not really understanding. They're like, wow, thanks. It's like, that's, a, that's an endorphin boost. It's not really understanding what their pain points are and how you can create something that fits into their lives. Um, that and your site is busted on mobile. Fix it.
0: Awesome. And where can listeners go to learn more about you and Draft?
1: You can take a look at draft site at draft.nu. And if you're curious about A-B testing methodologies and everything, I run a course called eCommerce Conversion Rate Academy, where you can go to eCommerceConversionRateAcademy.com. We're going to be launching uh, new signups for that and enrolling in beginning of January 2018.
0: Awesome. And definitely get on Nick's weekly newsletter. It's awesome. And I don't think it compares to any other newsletter that exists. Like, it's an email that you'll actually look forward to getting in your inbox, like, (laughs) no matter what. At least that's how I feel.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, that's at draftletters.com. You can take a look there.
0: And, uh, yeah, I think... What was this week you taught? Was it pasta sauce? It was a pasta recipe. I think this this week was...
1: So I've been writing ahead of time. I'm going on vacation next week. So whenever I do that, I write like six in a row and then forget. I think this week was the pasta sauce one. Yeah. I've been like doing a lot of hard selling to my mailing list lately. And I felt like we just needed to live in the mood. And now now a lot of people know how to make pasta sauce.
0: Yeah. So if you want to learn how to make good pasta sauce or if you want to know how to run good A-B tests, definitely check out his newsletter and check out Draft
1: yeah make money and eat well right
0: (laughs) thanks for coming on the show nick
1: thank you so much for having
0: me thanks so much for listening to this episode i hope you got something valuable out of it subscribe to get notified when new episodes drop and if you want to work with me head over to wavebreak.co to learn more thanks again for listening i'll see you next week